Hello and thanks for joining me on another episode of Zof Talks. We've got a, an amazing episode again lined up for you. Uh, we've got an amazing guest as well. Hello, welcome back. How are we? Second episode. We we did say last time we're going to have another one and this has been a week now so we're doing another episode as promised. We're going to cover a few more topics. If you're listening to the podcast as always we are available uh, on every platform you can think of really now so we have submitted everywhere uh, podcast uh, Apple podcast Google podcast Spotify even Amazon music you can search for Zof Talks and I'll come up on Amazon as well so what we're doing today is we're going to go on from this and obviously Saj is here with us so we'll cover a few points from the point of view of traveling abroad and okay. how the adapt adapt from the UK to going abroad and your how you kind of different because you were working in the UK and now you're going there and you're working as a separate role so how did you find that transition yeah so i mean predominantly one of the first things before any move is always what i would recommend to anybody listening or watching is to learn about where you're going to um i think you know understanding the culture um learning a little bit of background about where you're going the, the cultural norms um the importance of adhering to them norms um i think that's super important because <clears throat> i think one problem as us expats face is whenever we leave home and wherever we travel to we, we the biggest problem we face is adapting um we're used to a very uh, a sick, very kind of sheltered life in the uk and i think we take for privilege a lot of the kind of the freedoms the the liberties so to speak that we have So right off the bat I mean the first thing that I had to adapt to uh, was immediately was that that change in environment change in culture change in uh, my day-to-day life uh, I mean perfect example is um, which would be the end of the week for you which is a friday for us in this part of the world in the middle east um is a thursday evening so on a thursday night when I'm relaxed and I'm winding down and I'm switching off people are getting ready still to kind of go back to work in UK for the following day which is Friday being the last day of the week. So I mean little things like that I mean years on now I've been here almost I've been out out of UK for cl- close to a decade and still when I speak to my brother very regularly he's always still forgetting that Sunday is my first day back so Sunday is my Monday. So he's always like oh damn I forgot. I forgot man you know you're just supposed to be uh, I forgot that you're at work so I think is it's just adapting to that that definitely does make a big difference. So with the multiple priorities you've got there and you're going abroad is there any like main things that you would think would help someone else in this position that wanted to maybe travel abroad and take their maybe their business their idea to another country in addition to the the good benefits you gave like getting within the culture and making sure check what their norms are Yeah so so I mean the first thing that a lot of people um, struggle with before moving away is getting a realistic picture of what's going on out there So I mean if you were going to going to follow just media you're never going to get the true picture because of course media can be very distorted um it is very biased it is not an objective uh, as objective view as it should be unfortunately so that means what ends up happening is anything that you read about or you're reading uh, to gain any knowledge or to just distinguish the difference between where you are where you want to be it's not going to be 100% uh factual one secondly it's not going to be uh, there's not, it's not necessarily true that you are going to receive the same level of uh, experience or same level of um uh, you know the same level of uh, received from the person who who you're going to receive under the side so i think that's super super 
important to be aware of. It's so important, I think, because when I was going out there, to be honest, I didn't do any of that that I'm recommending now. So I didn't have no planning. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I've, I've taught out in the Middle East in a few countries now. Um, I mean, Saudi being one of them, UAE being another, um, Oman, Qatar. So, I mean, being out in the Middle East, it gives you an opportunity to kind of get a gauge of what's the culture like, what the people are like, what the educational system is like. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is something which is, um, I mean, the first thing people need to look for when they're going out there is just be realistic of what to expect. My idea, I always say to all friends who are looking to go out, I always say, be prepared for the worst and just hope for the best. I mean, as long as you're prepared for the worst, I mean, the worst, it can be worst accommodation, worst, uh, you know, benefits, worst uh, school, university, college, whatever you're going to work, worst kind of environment, then nothing can get really bad and worse than that, you know? If you're prepared, if you're going out thinking it's going to be amazing, oh my God, I'm going to earn a lot of money, I'm going to be in the sun, I'm going to drive fancy cars, I'm going to be in the shopping malls, I'm going to, you know, love Dubai, like, you know, advertise on an Emirates brochure, that's not going to happen. So, you know, you need to have a very realistic idea of what to expect. And I think, you know, if you have that, then you, you definitely have a good opportunity to go with an open mind. Definitely. And I'm loving the, the mug there, mate. Harrods, yes. Okay. That's big a smash. Um, thank you, thank you. I needed my tea to stay awake. Yeah, I, I think some that's caffeine. something. So we touched on this in the last episode about health and fitness and the drinks yeah. and your the regime. So obviously that's working very well for you because you're looking very healthy right now. So that's a great benefit thank for you, that. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, now looking at these types of topics, when you're planning to go out, when you went out, was there a lot of like paperwork involved? Did you have to do a lot of like legal stuff to find out how you want to go there? And that would be a good point to touch on. Yeah, so I mean, immediately there are some prerequisites uh, before you leave. I mean, of course, once you look for a job, once you offer the position, once you are looking to move out, your, your general typical paperwork, which is required. Um, is, you know, your qualifications, etc., paperwork, passport. But a lot, in addition to all of that, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't even think about is how much money you actually have to spend before you even leave the country. So medical, a medical, for example, I mean, most of the medicals that you have to undertake to move out there is like a full medical equivalent to like an athlete or okay. an, a footballer. So most of these are done from London. I'm sure they can be done from other parts of the country, absolutely, but the most reputable ones are from London, being from up north. I mean, for me, I just trust London so much more. Hmm. So you go to, um, you know, you go get a medical done from London. Um, it's a recognized body. Um, it checks for your full health, any issues, any concerns, anything, you know, which is, not, which is gonna be an obstacle for you to obtain your work visa. Once all of the paperwork, you know, the, T, uh, the, the, the paperwork is completed, it's of a sufficient standard. Then you pass that on and you just go through an agent in the UK um, and then they will support, do all your paperwork for you and providing that obviously they will liaise with the HR of the, of the organization that's hiring you and then they will issue you your work visa and then you're on the next play. Wow, amazing. That sounds like a good way of doing it. In addition to that, how are you finding the health care system over there in terms of being used to us here? Are you finding like a big difference? Are you more healthy while oh. you're out there? Are you having as many issues as you would have had in the UK? To be honest, it's a blessing and it's a curse. So it's a blessing because it's an opportunity to just enjoy. I mean, if, if you've traveled out to the Middle East um, or if anybody out there has traveled to the Middle East, you'll know like food is just everywhere everywhere we talked about this on the last topic and mm -hmm. um, so i mean whether it's donuts whether it's desserts whether it's steaks i mean 
until you've come out and eaten food out here, the cuisines, you know, the Lebanese cuisines, or if you had, like, for example, the, the steaks or the sushi, or, I mean, the types of Italian restaurants out here, that until you've tasted food out in the Middle East, honestly speaking, you know, you think UK is amazing. And, and I think we touched on this when I came back last yeah. with you, we went out, yeah, we yeah. Went out to eat. Yeah. And I said to you, take me to the blessed place that you know. Yeah. And we went to a couple of locals, and yeah. I was like, really? This is supposed mm. to be nice, Zulf? Honestly, yeah. this is nothing. And I had the same reaction to, with all my friends when I went back, and they all said to me, you know what? We didn't understand what you meant, but because we spent so much time in Dubai ourselves now. Yeah. We totally get you, like, it's, the food, it's not even a comparison. So in answer to your question, in terms of health, I mean, it's a blessing because you, for people who, who love food, love going out, love eating, love enjoying, you know, socializing, it's amazing. It's the best place to be. The, the curse is the fact that it's so, so hard to remain disciplined. I mean, yeah. and just like we discussed in, last, uh, uh, in the last talk, discipline is key to everything, isn't it? I mean, whether it's your career, whether it's your job, whether it's your health goals, whether it's uh, you just, I mean, doing wanting to achieve anything in life, you have to have discipline. And I think discipline de derives from you having an idea of how difficult it is in order to keep that discipline and then trying to start that momentum. So perfect example today, perfect example. It was so easy for me to just cancel on you. And I did technically, I, I messaged you saying, I'm sorry, I can't make it today. Can we please cancel? Had you replied, no problem tomorrow or next week. I was good to go. I had so much grading to do, so much paperwork to do, so much policies to write up in my role. Uh, so I was just stormed with work. But you said, ah, really, let's see how you are. Let's see how you feel. You know, you were kind of a devil's advocate. You were like, look, let, let's see what you do. See, give it, take two hours. Take yeah. two hours. And I thought, you know what? F it. I, I need the break. I'll just, yeah. I'll go ahead. And now I don't regret it. That's so, good. At, you know, like the, you say, sometimes it just refreshes your memory, puts you into the mindset. And after this, you'll be energized and you'll just smash through that work. So you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, hopefully. <laughs> so don't forget, I am two hours ahead of you. Yeah. And I'm up at <laughs> five o'clock in the morning every yeah. day. So, <laughs> so, so it's not a problem, but I mean, like momentum is everything. So, of course, you know, like I said, you have to have that discipline. Um, in order to achieve that discipline, you need to start somewhere. And I think starting on day one, that momentum, of course, is going to take time. But once you get to day two, day three, day four, then that momentum starts to build. And I think just with anything um, that out here, once you build that momentum out in the Middle East or once you've left home, honest to God, I mean, the, your perspective on life just absolutely changes. Um, and when I say it changes, what I mean by that is you just have an open mind to how the world is, you know, mm -hmm. how... I mean, the biggest, if you was to ask me what's the biggest thing I've learned leaving the UK or uh, traveling away from the UK, I think one of the biggest things I've learned was, in order, to be honest with you, would be just how uh, one-sided, you know, people can view the world, how just how one-sided they can have an opinion of something in a very ignorant way, how if something is very self-serving, they will stick to that vision, you know? And you cannot change somebody's mind irrespective of what, what, what they believe because, again, people work off emotions. They don't work off facts, unfortunately. Um, and no matter how much a fact is in front of them, they have their own alternative facts. So, of course, you know, that's something which I learned moving out. But definitely, yeah, I mean, I recommend it to anybody. Def yeah, that sounds really good. I think there's a few good points you gave us there. So in terms of traveling and going out there now, now that the role you're doing, is there any key 
additions that you think are 100% better than what you had over here in the UK? You're enjoying your role, clearly you're teaching, you're doing a lot of things that you like to do. Is there any yeah. takeaways from that? So anybody listening at the moment that would be like maybe yeah, in so education? I mean, so in alongside myself as teaching, I mean, I'm also an education consultant and I'm also working now um, as a safeguarding lead. So, you know, being in safeguarding, safeguarding is super important, particularly post-COVID. So post-COVID safeguarding is so important because we do forget emotional uh, and social health of whether it's students, whether it's adults, whether it's, you know, anybody who's working, basically. So and safeguarding is something which I don't think there was much of a focus on for us growing up compared to now. Um, the COVID situation, how much it's come to light, whereby, I mean, the healthcare system hasn't been as good, amazing as we thought in the West, for example, yeah. or how I feel when it comes to a person's emotional health. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these are some key areas that obviously I focus on. I take a lot of pride in because I think it's so super important to focus on these uh, aspects of your life because unless or until we can develop these, you know, attributes in, within ourselves or these qualities, you know, I don't think we can get the best out of ourselves. And I think everybody, to get the best out of yourself, you have to be healthy and fine and fit emotionally, mentally. Um, and then, of course, that can then transcend into physically. So, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of information there you've got to unpack. So at the moment, because you've got like quite a busy lifestyle, you're doing everything within your time scales but is there like something you do to help you like downtime yes. what's your best way to so, relax i mean the easiest way would be as you can see in the back yeah. there's nothing <laughs> like there's nothing like pumping some iron unfortunately <laughs> now because i've had an, a bit of an injury um and i've had a uh, uh, surgery on my hand which is carpal tunnel release mm -hmm. um i cannot push weight as much as i would like but still i mean there's nothing like finding that release you know a very close friend of mine always says to me side you need to find a why what is your why? So why do you want to work hard? Okay, why do you want to... One sec, I've got a little... Okay, so talk to me a little bit about what you were saying there. So, I mean, before we start anything, you know, a, a very close friend of mine once said to me, Saj, what's your why? You know, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to achieve this? Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to gain muscle? Why do you want to achieve success? So I think a lot of the times we don't have a why, which is why we're constantly struggling. You need a why in anything and everything that you are trying to achieve. And I think once we can find that why, I think then that can determine the next level. It can be that beast out of us, you know, pushing ourselves to the best, pushing ourselves to the best uh, of our ability, taking the best out of us as, a, as an individual. And whether that be, in, like I said, in your professional life, whether that be in your personal life, whether that be in your relationship, whether that be in uh, anything you do, absolutely anything, as long as you... You know, you stay hungry, you stay motivated, and I think you can only stay hungry and motivated through a proper why, which you have locked in, locked down, and you have a clear tunnel vision, you know? That's so, amazing, that's an amazing. I think right. if you're currently listening right now, this is our podcast segment, and you want to definitely check out the full episode to see the full conversation I had with Saj. We are currently talking about some amazing topics, so make sure to check out the full episode. Bam. Okay, so what I did there is a YouTube show that will go on to YouTube show, Instagram, TikTok, and I also did on Reddit as well. So there's an extra pop out of the show, like an advert for the full show. But yeah, sorry I interrupted you. Let's go. No. Okay, so yeah, next question, buddy. Are uh, your cameras paused? Uh, okay, there. There's a bit of a lag there. Luckily, happened. did that happen after the recording? Because I was recording you for an extra little segment. If you're watching back on no the problem. show right now, you would be seeing 
this is how we roll. So we do everything live. It's a full conversation. We try not to edit out. Well, actually, we're not editing anything out. Since we started, this is going to be a full episode that you will be hearing right now. So, yes, Saj has given us an explanation of your why and how to lock down onto it and make sure you're achieving what you want to achieve. So in addition to that, now looking at everything that's going on at the moment, you're keeping fit, you're maintaining your health. Is there any other key areas you think that people should consider that they don't normally think about, which will help them for future health, for future benefits? So I think, I mean, the, the easiest one is like we always consider is exercise, you know, staying clean, staying motivated, eating clean, you know, sleeping early, drinking a lot of water. To be honest, I think water is very, very overlooked. Water is your haven because I think, you know, the easiest way, and this is going to sound a little bit gross, but the easiest way to, to, to determine if you're drinking enough water is if you're going to the bathroom and if it's not white, as in crystal clear water, you're not drinking enough water. Okay. So that should, be, that should be a very clear indicator. So, I mean, a lot of the time, I know it's, it's a bit of a weird topic to talk about, but when we have take a pee, I mean, we need to look uh, on a serious level when it comes to our health. We do need to look at what color our pee is. We do need to observe the smell. We do need to make sure that, you know, we're not getting any pain when we're, we're, you know, going to the bathroom. So these things do make a difference in our health. Um, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not qualified to give any medical advice. I do want to put that out there, please. It's just my personal opinion, and it's just from my own experience. So if there's anybody watching or listening, I don't want you to take my word for gospel, but just from my uh, observation personally and from my life experience in terms of health and fitness and working with clients. Um, I mean, and I'm sure, I mean, just a search on any health website would confirm that drinking enough water is certainly not bad for you. Yes. So, so I think that's something which we have not drunk enough of. Excellent. So last time I we think spoke, I think we touched on this topic before because I wasn't drinking as much water. And since I started drinking more water, I feel a lot more energetic. I've got a nice, I feel yeah. a bit more light. My head's a bit more light yeah. and not as heavy. It's surprising. And also you can tell on your skin because you're a bit more absolutely lively. So even having a bottle with you all the time, sipping regularly helps. Before I didn't used to do that. But now I'm like, oh, no, you know, gave me a good tip. And now I'm regularly keeping a bottle with me and I always sip on it, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm regularly carrying my big, at least my minimum two-liter bottle with me daily everywhere. Um, and honestly, you would be amazed at how easily you can get through two liters in a day if you just got it with you and you just sip it away, sip it away, four or five sips every, every five minutes, six minutes. You will be amazed how quickly you will get through two liters. But if you don't carry physical water with you, you can go 12, 13, 14 hours without even 500 mil. So... I think, again, you know, sometimes taking that proactive measure, taking that action to literally take that bottle of water with you and making it your goal. So, I mean, there are certain things for me are not negotiable. Drinking water daily is one of them. Brushing your teeth is another one. Trying to work out as, as much as possible when I've got the time is, you know, is another one. So there's some things if you don't allow yourself to give yourself an option, you have no, you have absolutely no... Uh, reason to fail because it's a very similar formula you know it's a very very simple formula you just have to do, put in the work and you will get the results so i think drinking water is overlooked when it comes to losing weight and even gaining muscle for argument's sake so whenever you want to put on muscle whenever you want to put on size i mean people again don't tell you that's enough but i think if i'm not wrong please don't quote me but i believe i think at least 60 or 70 percent of our muscle is actually water hence creatine is such an important 
supplement because what creatine tends to do is obviously holds onto that water and it retains that water in your muscles, therefore giving it a, a more fuller look, therefore looking like you're more pumped. So again, people who train, they know creatine is very, very, uh, you know, effective. But alongside that, you have to drink a lot of water. So I think water is something which, again, it will, you know, it, it will kill your uh, thirst, it will kill your hunger, it will clear your skin, it will just help with just literally any and everything. And, you know, that's something which I feel, again, your average person, I can certainly attest to. In my life, everybody I know, from friends to family, they, they don't drink as much as they should. And they certainly don't drink as often as they should. Yes, definitely. That's a great point. And I think it's a midpoint of the show. So that's a nice little recap of that. Um, in addition to this, going into it a bit further, with the student work you're doing, the teaching work, how are you finding students now with how they're progressing and like what they're doing? How, do you have any tips for people listening that are maybe at the point of studying from a teaching point of view? So I think, um, I mean, again, post-COVID, the world is a different place. Absolutely. I mean, prior to COVID, I don't think we would even be considering or having this conversation right now. Uh, again, I, I appreciate, you know, online uh, FaceTimes, etc. Uh, you know, and video calling has been around for a number of years before COVID. But I think post-COVID, there's been a bigger emphasis on just doing any and everything online and remotely. So I think anybody looking to go uh, into teaching, I mean, definitely consider online. It is definitely now accepted more, uh, you know, widely around the world. Um, but still, for me personally, uh, as an educator, as somebody who's been doing it for, you know, literally practically half his life, I personally, I feel there's no substitute uh, as a face-to-face -face, uh, interaction, you know, from a, learner, from a learner and teacher's point of view. I mean, there's nothing like connecting with your student, whether it be a child or whether it be a young adult. Um, I think that feeling of being in the classroom, being in, in, a, in a setting whereby you have that one-to-one -one connecting because they can feel your energy, they can... Uh, observe your your facial expressions you've got that banter you build up that rapport that trust element with your students i think there's no replacement for that i mean no matter how close how much I mean, and i've delivered in the heart of covid i delivered online so you know i've, I've had that experience of hybrid learning and teaching uh, and again as effective as it can be honestly speaking it's not even i mean it's chalk and cheese compared to in in, in the classroom and i think all the students now um but again, adults or uh, young children, they would confirm. I mean, anybody you speak to, they will say to you, although initially it was a lot of fun, staying online and just being lazy and going in your PJs and just waking up three minutes before your class and signing in and switching your camera off and just playing video games and not listening to the teacher and putting it on mute. At the, initially, at the, you know, at the introduction stage, although it was a lot of fun, it, it, you know, as time went on, it kind of got boring and it got it weaned up and I think effectiveness started to just dip and dip and dip and I think to the point where even the learners realized that this is really not effective as a waste of our time. So personally, me as an educator, my opinion is there's no substitute for online learning, but I think um, for online learning and teaching, but I think anybody looking to learn, I mean, you can never ever know enough, you can never ever know too much. And I think, you know, education is key, whether it be about a motorcycle, which we both love, whether it be about health, fitness, whether it be about education, academics. I mean, irrespective, just never stop learning. And I think once we stop learning, that's when we uh, can really, really suffer. And a very famous quote uh, that Muhammad Ali said once. Um, so his famous quote was, if you, I, th I believe it was Muhammad Ali. So his famous quote, which I love, he said, if you are thinking the same way as you did 30 years ago, 30 years later, then you have wasted 30 years of your life. 
So I think that's so powerful if it could be adopted and used correctly because you know, how many, how many of us <clears throat> go through many, many months and years of our life without any change, without any progression, without any development? <clears throat> and I don't mean, you know, financially, I don't mean um, professionally with our careers or work. I mean, just within ourselves. I mean, how we think, how we look, you know, how we behave, how we receive information, how we analyze information. So I, myself, I mean, there's so much topics that now when I look back and think, and say, damn, if I could meet my younger self, I would just look at the world so differently. I would behave so differently. I would tackle a problem so differently. I would deal with a situation so very differently, you know? So again, that just comes with having an open mind, learning, trying to push yourself to be the best. And again, just literally being so, so open-minded about information and just pick, pick out what you can utilize, which is good for you. And you can just chuck away what you think isn't good for you. You know, there's no harm in having a lot of information, keeping what you need and getting rid of what you don't, as opposed to having nothing at all, you know? So that's my... Beautiful. I think you gave some very good options there. So one other question I've got, this is going to be more from like a student point of view. So if like you had a student that's maybe looking for advice, so I'm going to do one of those now. So, so say, for example, you've got a student that comes to you and they're just going through their life and they're not sure where they want to go, like career wise. What kind of advice would you give someone just to push them in the right direction? So that's very interesting because to be honest, I mean, again, there's very few people I know, uh, apart from a very small minority. Um, who from a very, very young age, they know exactly who they want to be. You know, they know if you want to be a doctor, you'll be a doctor. If you want to be a surgeon, uh, a lawyer, a solicitor, etc. So they'll just from day one, they know what they want to be. They're very laser focused and every and each, every and any step they take is geared towards that goal. All right. So mm-hmm. you're going to get a small percentage of people um, who just know that from, from the very first day, what and who they want to be. I think there's, then there's a second part of society, which is a big portion who think they want to be something, then they get closer to that, and then they suddenly feel like they want to be something else. And then they work towards that, and then when they get there, they realize, oh, I don't know if that's even what I like anymore, and then they suddenly go into something totally opposite. All right, so I think there's that portion, and then there's a third portion who are just generally so lost from day one, and they just remain lost and they just stumble off and they're just kind of roaming around. They're like a nomad traveling from place to place, hopping, you know, they're hopping from place to place, pillar to post, and just surviving. And I think we don't focus on thriving. We just focus on surviving, and that holds us back so much, you know? So I think in order for, in my advice would be, again, and any, any child, any student, anybody looking to decide which career to go into, I mean, the easiest way, again, my brother, you know, who is very, very intellectual, very, very smart, uh, who's uh, you know very learned? He always used to say to me growing up, and I never really understood what he meant. But now it makes so much sense. He used to say to me, "If you could be anything in the world, and it could happen in the click of a finger, what would you be?" And the irony of that comment would be that I still didn't know because once upon a time I wanted to be Jeremy Clarkson, and he <laughs> asked me, and it's so funny because he asked me once, "Why do you want to be Jeremy Clarkson?" I said. I don't know, because he sits around in fast cars, because I'm driving, as you know, um, you know, I've been driving, and speed explains the motorbikes, etc. Yeah. So, you know, and he, again, I see Jeremy Clarkson as a kid growing up. He would sit in all these supercars, just make fun, make jokes, drive them really, really fast, uh, you know, review them, and then on to the next one. 
So when I told my brother, oh, I want to be Jeremy Clarkson, I think that's amazing. If I could be anything in the world other than a footballer, which I think every child on the planet wants to be when they're young, other than a footballer, it would be Jeremy Clarkson. And he asked me very diligently, why? I said, because he does X, Y, and Z when it comes to cars. Then he asked me, do you know what he does? I said, yeah, he drives cars. He said, no, he doesn't. He's actually a journalist. Yeah. And I said, really? How? He said, yeah, his job is to critique cars. So yes, you see the fun part driving around, this is amazing, oh my God, this is rubbish. But you don't see him going away. He studied as a journalist, he's a writer and editor for a magazine. Um, he, you know, he has to critique them cars, he has to find the pros and cons, he has to obviously adhere to the rules and regulations by, uh, by the broadcasters, etc., etc., etc. As he started explaining all this, I switched up, I got bored. I said, okay, I don't want to be that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you see how easily we can be swayed just yeah. with some information when our brain doesn't like it? When we receive some information, we immediately swayed to something else. So I think that's a very, very, very loaded question that how can you know what, what somebody wants? Because you, I think the honest answer is you don't really know. You know, so that's why I think the smartest thing would be to do is put yourself in such a position that whatever it is eventually that you fall upon, it's good enough to be in a position or a role that will be A, beneficial for you and B, more importantly, rewarding for you. I think that's something which we don't you know, focus on enough again. And one of the reasons I went into teaching, because prior to my teaching, I was very successful in, in finance and corporate, in, in, you know, corporate uh, banking. And you know this because we work together, yeah. I think, and I, I was in a senior management position there also. Yeah. So I think that one of the reasons why I turned away from all of that and I went into teaching, because it just wasn't rewarding. Yes, it was probably paid better. Yes, it sounded nicer. Yes, I was in suits and ties and it looked good, but it wasn't rewarding. You know, and I think it's not in everybody to do so, something which is actually rewarding, whereas with now the job is so tiring financially, it's not as rewarding as many think. Um, it's, it's tiring, it's draining. You know, <clears throat> sometimes as an educator, you literally feel you have no life. You can't wait until the next break. But I mean, that feeling you get, that look in that learner's eye when they've clocked something, it's like they've seen, you know, they found that Da Vinci code. Mm. And they look at you like, sir, or Mr. Sajid, or they're like, wow, teacher. You know, yeah, we understand. Thank you. And it's, it's feelings like that, I think, which are irreplaceable, you know. So you have to, I think, find something, something that really makes you feel whole, something that makes you feel complete. And more importantly, something that makes you feel like you want to wake up at five, six, seven o'clock in the morning every day. If you're not feeling that, you're in the wrong job. Wow. Those are some amazing points there. I think definitely some to think about. And if you're currently listening to this now, you'll be coming through a journey with us. This is our second episode. We're slowly building this out. Future topics will be a mixture of things. So we'll kind of just have a conversation, record that for you and let you listen to that. So Saj, it's been very nice to have you on again. Thank you for taking the time out. I appreciate you speaking to me. And we'll hopefully, we've got another one coming next week now. So it's a weekly thing. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah, it's going to be a routine. So thank you, everybody who has been joining us on the episodes and the journey of this process. You'll see the next episode on the show notes below. So make sure to check out the next episode and I'll see you on the next episode of Zoof Talks.